about to win so big. Tell me, hydraulic money. Yeah. Money coming in. Tell me, what's the program? 25 days of cush. Yeah, get with the program. Show them what they wave, get the program. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the beginning of the week. The TTD boys are back in these streets, active in the booth, in the building, in your living room, cars, ear, AirPods, wherever you're listening, when you listen. We got another special one tonight. We got a Virginia Tech name that forever lives in infamy. He was one hell of a kicker, even more of a personality. He's turned into quite the success, and we're here to tell you about it. His name is Cody Janelle, and he's on the pod tonight. Cody, how you doing? I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Hey, man. Thanks for being on. Uh, we usually like to run it back from the beginning, so if you don't mind letting everybody know where you're from. Yeah, no doubt. Um, from the one and only Giles County, uh, right outside of Blacksburg here in the Newer Valley. Uh, born and raised there, you know, had hokey blood in my veins growing up, uh, season ticket holder since I remember I could walk. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bleeding the same maroon and orange that you guys are and everybody probably listened to this. So that's where it all started back in Giles County. Um, and then obviously, you know, came over to Blacksburg and, and it was all history from there, so. And when did you realize you wanted to be a kicker, man? You know, I, a lot of people ask me that. I don't think it was ever, a decision that was you know just made I, I remember distinctly though you know I, I never I never came out and said I think I want to be a kicker and went out and tried it um it was more of a you know we grew up playing football um I grew up playing soccer I was on the at the time what was the New River Rapids uh which is New River United now and it's uh you know that the travel club club team here in Blacksburg which is grown to be huge um it wasn't even near it wasn't even close to that big whenever I was here but um had the the opportunity to do both while I was growing up you know played baseball and sprinkled some basketball here and there as well but those are my two main sports and I, I distinctly remember man it was like third or fourth grade it was one of those deals where it was like all right we're about to go into our first game who can kick a field goal because that's just something you got to do after every touchdown and they literally like lined everybody up in a line, like single file. They'd put the ball on the tee and they'd run up and kick it. And I mean, it was doink after doink. And I honestly had never even tried it. So got up there and cranked one. And everybody was just kind of like, what was that? And I even was kind of surprised by it. Um, and then got, got in the back of the line and they were like, all right, now we're doing kickoffs. Did the same thing, just kind of cranked it. And I remember my cousin uh, and my dad were coaching at the time. He was like, all right, well, there's our kicker. Um, and good, you know, good for my dad. Uh, luckily, I had a I had a dad that was kind of, you know, forward looking. He saw it as an opportunity, put me in front of the right people as far as coaches go and, and camps and stuff like that. So he really kind of, uh, you know, kept me, kept me pressed to it. I, I really contribute a lot of that to him because if he didn't make me go out and practice, you know, on my own, I probably would have just been one of those skills. It's like, yeah, 
you know, you're, you can kick a ball, but he kind of turned it up a notch on me. Now, did soccer help with your initial technique and swing? I think it helped, you know, with uh, the technique part's a little tricky because it's when you really break it down, it, it's not quite the same as kicking a soccer ball. But, you know, with the, the fundamentals of it, as far as swinging your leg through and making contact and pointing your toe and uh, where to hit it on your foot, things along those lines definitely came from soccer. The leg development and like swing speed 100% came from from all the soccer, uh, you know, training, stuff like that. So, so yeah, I, I contribute most of it to it. You get to a certain level, though, where that soccer skill kind of falls to the wayside and gets it gets a lot more technical. And that's when you need a, an expert or a coach to come in and really push it to the next level. Where do you want to put the ball on your foot? Because, like, Dan and I don't know anything about kicking. Yeah, so I guess the simplest way to – without, like, showing you, but the simplest way to – um explain it as if you if you go from that part from your like that tendon right above your ankle and you trace it down to like the top of your big toe about quarter of the way down there's a really hard bone um i would say the name but i probably butcher it and say the wrong one so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave that out but there's a really hard bone there and when you point your toe and you position it the correct way you can really make contact and that's the that's the hardest part of your foot um, so that's one reason that you hit, hit it right there. Um, it gives you better control of the ball because it's, it's a flatter surface than like if you were trying to tow it. Um, but a little tip that a lot of people don't know about trying to make that contact with the ball, a lot of it comes from your ankle as well. So depending on your ankle strength, um, you know, think about it like you were hitting a driver. Like if you, if you hit your driver perfect in the, in the middle of the, uh, the head of it, but it moved every time because it was weak where it connected, then you wouldn't get the max, uh, you know, the max velocity out of your ball. So you really got to kind of go from the foot up, strengthen that ankle up. So it's kind of locked in there when you hit the ball. Um, and that's something, again, you know, you get a good coach in front of you. They can, they can coach you up on stuff like that. Who was your recruiter uh, from Virginia Tech? And what other schools were you looking at? My recruiter was Coach Height. He was a running back coach whenever I was here. Um, you know, he's obviously a Blacksburg guy. He, I wouldn't say luckily, but it just so happened that the game that he came to scout me, his son uh, Griffin was on the JV Blacksburg team at the time. Um, and he got moved up to the varsity squad in the Blacksburg Giles game. So, you know, he, and, this story kind of came out after the fact, but he told my coach and my parents that he was coming to watch me that game because uh, his son was going to be there as well. And it just so happened that was the Blacksburg Giles game that I kicked a 54 yarder to send it into overtime. And then we went into six overtimes and um, had to hit another 44 yarder to send it into that six overtime. And we ended up beating Blacksburg at, uh, at home in the six overtime. So yeah, they didn't, they didn't tell me he was in the crowd till after the game. And I was like, damn, I'm kind of glad you didn't. Could have changed things a little bit. So who did you, who did you hate more? The Narrows or UVA? I got to say UVA, man. Um, at the time, the Narrows rivalry wasn't even really a thing. I mean, it was, it was, let me get backtrack. The Narrows rivalry was a thing, but the games themselves were not 
competitive. So, you know, we would, you know, we trash talk, we do the, the inter-county rivalry thing, but we all knew when we rolled up in there who was going to win that game. Um, it's kind of the same way with UVA, but they started to play us tough and, you know, just the scale of competition and rivalry from like a high school to a in-state rivalry, uh, UVA versus Virginia Tech. I mean, it was just, it was kind of unrivaled, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a lot more exciting playing that game. Now in high school, you didn't just play kicker, you played some offense too, right? Yeah. When, nobody really has a liberty of, uh, of playing one position in a, in a small school like that, or, you know, a lot of small schools around the area. So yeah, we kind of joke about it. My senior year, the only time I came off the field was when the punt team was out there. People laugh at that because they're like, well, weren't you the kicker? I was like, yeah, but I sucked at punting. So <laughs> they were like, all right, you can sit on the bench for this one, but take a little breath. Giles County, man, there's not really too much happening there as far as like, it's not like a big city or a sprawling metropolis or anything like that, right? It's sure. outside of Blacksburg. It's in the cut which is cool. What kind of stuff did you like to do? Like as a high school kid with your friends, like what did y'all do? Like when you hung out and stuff? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, that's why you, that's why those uh, small town sports uh, centered counties are really good at certain sports. Uh, just so happens that, you know, in Southwest Virginia, that sport is football because to be quite honest with you, besides sports and school, and uh, hunting with your friends and, you know, riding around just being kids, uh, there's really not a lot to do. So you do spend a lot of time with your teammates that have become your friends, um, you know, besides pitching hay bales and, and kicking footballs, there, uh, there wasn't a lot to do in the town. I came over and hung out with the Blacksburg guys a lot um, just because of, you know, the, the connection with soccer that we talked about and, and other things along those lines. So I got a little bit of experience of, you know, not a not a big town, but a little bit more of a, uh, you know, robust offering of, of things to do. So, you know, it was looking back on it, it had its had its advantages kind of being you could get laser focused in what you were doing, not as many distractions. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a slower place lifestyle. And uh, I, I grew to miss it after I after I left Blacksburg and left Giles. Uh, went to D.C. for a little bit, lived in Florida for a little bit, uh, lived in Germany for a couple of years and, you know, came back to D.C. for a while. And, and something about the mountains and and just being close to home and kind of this pace of lifestyle drew, drew me back here. So I'm back in Blacksburg now. So when you got to Blacksburg, who did you room with? My first roommate was Will Cole. Um, he was a quarterback uh, from Bluefield. And he came on and, um, you know, I can't remember exactly if he walked on or not, but he was uh, he was in the class with us. Uh, right before that, I lived with uh, room with Logan Thomas at the at the All-Star game, the Virginia All-Star game. And then we moved into Valder Hall uh, for that summer because we all kind of came in early. All the scholarship guys came in early to, to start training and get prepped for uh, for camp season and stuff like that. Um, and then we moved over to Cochrane and Will and I were roommates. And then after that, we moved to, uh, you know, good old Pheasant Run, the undergrad spot. And I lived with Andrew Miller and um, Matt Epperly and James Gale 
And then we had like a fourth that kind of just rotated in and out. That was like our, uh, you know, our open spot. It was, it was almost like we had a new one in there every year, but yeah, that was the, the main three. Yeah. I ended up living in pheasant run as well. So I can yeah, confirm that was, that was the spot. That was the spot. No, it's funny, man. We, uh, I'm in real estate now and one of my first houses when I moved back that I showed when I got my license, it was in on Janie lane. And I was like, oh, that's a street I used to live on. And I didn't really recognize it because it had been, you know, eight years at that point. And I pulled down, you know, I remember you take a left, you go down, keep going down, go all the way to the left over to the tennis courts. And I was like, damn, this is really close to where I used to live. And I pull in and I look at the number and I walk up to the door and I was like, this is literally the townhouse that we lived in. And I was showing this house to somebody and I, it was everything I could not to be like, because the carpets were the same. Uh, you know, the walls hadn't been painted. The kitchen was the same. And I was just like, it's everything I could not to be like, you guys might want to think twice about pulling this carpet up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seeing some things. There's been some keg stains around here. Yeah. There's been some things on this carpet. All right. I got to know, man, because I know what we paid for rent. What does the town home over in that area sell for? shit this is crazy so that even that year i remember that that house itself and it wasn't in great condition don't get me wrong that house was going for like 175 like three bedroom maybe maybe between 175 and 190 but somewhere in that range and i was i remember thinking like oh, this is you know this is a decent price for for what you're getting here um fast forward through covid towards the end of COVID, towards the end of this kind of crazy uh, real estate run up we had, those things were selling for like 320. And it wasn't, even, they weren't even nice. Like this, this was a non-updated, uh, just, you know, your, your typical undergrad rental, uh, three bedroom, two bath, pheasant run townhome. So if you would have bought in 2017 and then sold that thing in, you know, 2020, 2021, you'd have like almost doubled your money. That's kind of wild. Cause I think we had one of the four bedrooms and we pay 1600 a month. Yeah. I'm sure that's went up by now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now there's, there's uh, yeah, the, the rent rolls has gone up quite drastically, but they've been building, they've been building a ton of, uh, of student housing, like, like pretty dense multifamily. So I, I'm not sure what that's going to do to the rent, to the rent rolls once all those are up and running. I mean, they're going to continue to add students, so it might not affect it at all, you know, but there's definitely more options available now. Yeah, I mean, you said you lived with James Gale. I was like, say less. What, what, what is understood doesn't need to be said. <laughs> God damn. Right. Yeah, we, had a, we had a crew in that, in that place, that's for sure, between myself and Miller and, and James and then Matt Epperly, who's like, you know, national ranked wrestler and you know how those guys are acc um, champ i used to hang yeah. out with matt epperly a lot yeah well so i don't need to say anything else no no we had a good time That's my boy. <laughs> so how was the <laughs> kicker competition at tech when you got there well when i got there i didn't start man for the first uh for the first three years honestly so you know being kind of sought after i was number two ranked number two in the nation coming out of high school um and, you know, it was the, like everybody that walks in there on scholarship, they got their chest out, like big man on campus, you know, was 
number one in their high school, number one in their district, their state, uh, in the nation. So you walk in thinking you own the place, but I got humbled real quick. Um, you know, one thing was, was going from the T like kick with a one inch T in high school, you know, you get to college or I'm sorry, you kick with a two inch T in, in high school and you get to college, they won't let you use anything more than a one. Um, so that was a transition. You know, there were guys there that, and you don't, you don't really get coached up on this in high school, but there were guys there that had been putting the work in for three or four years. So, you know, me being, I don't know if you want to say arrogant, but maybe a little naive about coming in thinking, yeah, I'm the only one on, on full scholarship. Uh, you know, I'm gonna walk in here and just, and just take my spot. Uh, there was a little bit of a, little bit of a transition there. I had to kind of humble myself, look at the work, um, really go after it. Like, you know, every day, get out there, get some extra kicks in, get some extra lifting in, learn how this works in the college scheme. Um, so I would say, you know, the, especially for the first three years, the, the competition was pretty fierce. Um, I think it was, uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember the, I know Chris Hazley was the kicker right before me. And then right before him, um, I think it was Matt before him, but I'm not sure how many years he kicked. So I think it was actually my third year that I, actually, I finally got to start because Hazley was a one and done. But, um, you know, Coach Beamer always made it, he always made it competitive no matter who was there. It was, it was almost like every week you felt like your spot was on the line, whether you were the starting guy or not. Um, you know, you would have that, you'd have a competition before every practice. Whoever won the competition out got the team reps uh, at the end of practice, which is kind of what, you know, based their decision on who was going to play that week. So, you know, if you were the starting guy, they might give you one team rep and then they'd give the other two to the guy that won the competition. So if you go a couple of days without winning that competition, you're like, damn, my spot's on the line. This guy's getting a lot of team reps and I'm out here just getting one because I, you know, it was one and done in that competition. It was, it was pretty cutthroat. So I was actually friends with, a lot of your teammates so I understand the characters that were on your team I mean, there's some there's some some funny funny dudes uh who would you say was the was the biggest clown in the locker room oh shit that's a hard one man I I remember David Wilson and Anton Exum and just that group of guys like always cracking up it was like it didn't matter what day what time we could be going in there for a 6 a.m. lift or, you know, we've been in there till 10 p.m. that night because it's camp. And those dudes were always cracking jokes, like singing, goofing on each other. Um, I mean, there was there was characters on like every other locker in that place. But I just distinctly remember those guys like they were always wet. This is what they called it. <laughs> they, were, they were just going hey. each other all the time. Yo, Tone's a wild dude. His yeah. Twitter, his Twitter cracks me up. Man, I've been I've been following that guy since we got out of school. And no, he's he's uh he's living it up. I think uh, you know, it's fun it's funny seeing guys like find what that passion is or what that drive is and and what interests them outside of football, you know, because we were we were 20, you know, 18 to 23 year olds at the max. Um, and all we've done since we could basically walk was play football. So, you know, seeing some of those guys 
out of, leave college and not make it to the league or they, they played a couple years in the league or they had a good career in the league, we're all getting to the age now where it's, it's kind of past our football days. And it's, it's really interesting to see which avenues everybody's uh, kind of, kind of gravitated towards. And it's really funny. Some, some relationships are actually coming full circle. I'm starting to connect dots uh, in business now with, with some of my former teammates and, and their endeavors and some of the stuff that we're doing here. And it's, it's really cool to see, you know, that they preach that brotherhood and that like fraternity while you're at school and you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, these are my brothers. Like we're all buddies. And, and then you get out and you really, you don't appreciate the, the lasting effects of that until you're, until you're outside of, uh, outside of the football years. So that's been really cool. Well, if you want to feel old, Kwame Battles, nephew is about to be a freshman at Virginia Tech next year. No kidding. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I follow Kwame on um on Instagram and he posts some videos and stuff like that, along with a lot of other guys that got kids now or or nephews or anything. And I'm like, man, that's cool. I got a three-year-old at home, so we're not quite there yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Future Hokey. Absolutely, man. He's kicking field goals already. Oh man. Hey man, he's gonna catch you on the scoring list. I, I'm I'm for it, man. Let him uh let him double me. I'm I'm for it. A lot of people don't know this, but you're in the top 10 on the all-time scoring list at Virginia Tech. I was wondering where that was now. So I know at one point I was in in the top five. And obviously, you know, through the years you kind of get pushed down. But no, that's cool. I, you know, kickers always kind of get in there, but we had a lot of years where we had we had a lot of field goals and a lot of extra points when we were good. Um, you know, there was there were quite a few games where we had to kick three or four field goals at a time. So yeah, yeah, the only guy that pushed you down was um, Joey Sly. Right. Yeah, and he had he had a solid like three or f- three, maybe four years under his belt when he was there. So that always helps. Yeah, one for him, you'd still be up there in the top five. Yeah, that's all good. I'll give it to Joey. <laughs> Joey's my boy too. He's doing well. But hey, man, you've got something that a lot of people don't. You drained a fifty-six yarder. Boston College. Yep. Take yep. us through that. Yeah. So that was actually, that was one of my favorite kicks, not necessarily because the game was on the line or, um, you know, there was any sort of huge implications with the game, but it was actually coming off of my terrible game at ECU, uh, where I think I missed three field goals. We won the game luckily, but that was probably one of my worst games apart from the, uh, the Duke game that lives in my, lives in my uh, brain rent-free uh, for probably the rest of my life. But, yeah, that that game was coming off that ECU game. You know, it was uh, kind of a down week the week before that. They had unknowingly scheduled me for Tech Talk that week, like right after the game. So I, I had to go into that, just kind of explain myself and, uh, you know, try and pull myself up. Shane Graham actually had reached out to me that week and just, you know, gave us – a little bit of words of encouragement going into the week. You know, it's time to shake it off. Remember Coach Loeffler coming up to me before in the game, just being like, dude, just flush everything out of your head. Like, he literally said, fuck it. Like, just just do what you got to do. Um, and I hadn't seen the field. Actually, I lied. I kicked like a, like a 12-yarder, something, something really short. And then they threw me out there right before halftime. And... Um, you know, just got out there and did my thing and drained it. And it had some yardage left on it. But I remember Coach Loeffler coming up and just 
he kind of just gave me that little wink at halftime, pounded it. And I was like, all right, man, ready to roll. I had a good season after that, you know. Great season after that, actually, for looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, – trying to remember what year that was. Let's say that was my junior year. Uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good year, man. Yeah, we had some big-time kicks in that game – or that year. Just, just throughout your career in general, you had a lot of big-time kicks. Yeah, we were – you know, we were a pretty competitive football team. Um, you know, I got one year there when, when we had Tyrod and, um, you know, Darren Evans and, and uh, Ryan Williams and, and Cam Chancellor and all those guys. And, you know, that team, we were just we were just stomping dudes. I mean, we had some close ones like bowl games and stuff like that. But it was really when we got into the Logan Thomas era and David Wilson and it was like our class – playing at that point um you know we had some really close games with some with some rivals and some some ACC teams that you know it almost seemed like every other week if not every week it was coming down to the wire we either needed a field goal or needed a touchdown to to put us uh over the edge so yeah I was uh I was blessed to I was really blessed to get those opportunities uh made the most of it for you know pretty almost everyone except for that that Duke game which I'll you know, like I said, won't, won't ever forget, but, um, yeah, there was, uh, I remember one, one or two years, there were like four or five game tying game winning field goals that had to happen. So for the most part, we were, we stayed clutch. There's a rumor and I would like you to address it that Cody Janelle was point shaving at Virginia tech. Have you heard that? I did hear that. And I had no idea where that would have come from. Um, I mean, probably we, that Duke game. No, I was kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. but I mean, we talked about it. Like, I'm a small town Giles County kid. Like, we're not sitting out here at Atlantic City. You know, they're not they're not recruiting the kicker to to throw a game. Um, you know, and that that was something that I even got pulled into the coach's office with, and it's like, I can't believe that you know somebody would just pull that out of thin air, and it would it would catch wildfire like that because. I've been so clutch for so long and then had one game where I missed a field goal to tie it up. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm point shaving to try and to try and do what, I mean, you know, what's the, uh, what's my incentive there? I definitely wasn't driving a, a Rolls Royce afterwards. So. And you had a quad injury, correct? Yeah. It was more of a um, hip flexor. So. Okay. Hip flexor. I'm sorry. That was something that, that I had kind of battled throughout the whole time I was there. Um, freshman or sophomore year, I don't know if I just out overdid it, um, but we came out of practice one time and, you know, went back to the dorm. It must have been freshman year because I was in the stone of dorms. I remember it. Uh, went back to the dorm and laid down on my bed and my leg was just throbbing. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And we were supposed to go to Impo that evening, um, got out of the bed and literally had to like drag my leg <clears throat> behind me to the car sat down had to like pick it up like put it in so went and saw go forth the uh went and saw go forth the next day and we got mris done everything and my hip flexor slash whatever that tendon is that kind of connects it to the hip had actually pulled away from the bone um so it was it was almost like i i'd kicked so much or swung my leg so much that 
um, it had just either pulled that bone or pulled that muscle or pulled that tendon right off the bone. And um, that was something I had always just had to rehab, you know, the whole time that I was there. And uh, yeah, it would flare up every once in a while. I kind of got to the point where I knew how to get it back on track or like how to wrap my leg up so that it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect me too much. But yeah, I, I do distinctly remember that playing a factor in that just that that week of practice and game um and you can see if you go back and look at it I mean it looks like I punched the ball on that kick I, I definitely didn't do my full swing through like follow through it wasn't fluid so I don't you know I don't necessarily attribute it to that I attribute it to more of a a mental state because even if my leg was hurt you know I should have been able to, to kind of lock it in and, and get that one rep done but you know things happen you don't always hit the you don't always hit the game winner. So you got to live and learn. No, it's part of life. But you yeah. did hit a very important game winner, and you hit one against Georgia Tech, and it was electric. Absolutely, man. One of the best <laughs> nights of my life. Yeah, so another kind of pick-me-up game. Um, that, was, uh, that was the game back. You know, it was Monday night. It was the only game on TV. We were on ESPN, Monday night kickoff game. Uh, us versus Georgia Tech, you know, night game in Lake Stadium. I mean, you can't get much, can't get much more hype than that uh, going into anything. So, so that was just electric by itself. And then, you know, we get down to the, we get down to the end of the game, and I think I'd had one field goal made for that, one field goal missed, and then you know we're coming down to the, to the pipe of it, and. You know, they throw me out there. And I tell people to this day, you know, I I remember the second kick, the game winner. The kick that put us into the overtime, I think it was like a 44, 49, something along those lines. Um, I kind of blacked out. <laughs> and I uh, people look at me funny when I say that. And I, I've had various, like, performance coaches or I guess you could call them, like, sports psychologists throughout the years because kicking such a mental game um, a lot like golf or something along those lines. And I, I recollect that with them a lot and they say, no, that's super common. Um, it's actually, you know, not just your adrenaline, but high performance athletes, if they do something repetitively and they've trained their muscles, um, you know, to do this one thing over and over and over and over again, uh, when you get into a, a game time situation, what you actually want, or you got, you know, you get into a, a super high stakes situation, what you actually want is to turn your brain off. So if you get out there and you get ready and you can, you can flip that switch and you go through your motions, your steps back, your steps over, um, you know, look at your, look at your holder, look at your uh, snapper, nod your head when you're ready. You just, I mean, you go on autopilot, man. So you kind of, like I said, you kind of black out, do your thing. The last thing I remember is looking up and the, the ball going through the um, the uprights to send us into overtime and my my teammates damn near tackling me on the field, um, even though we're, you know, we still got some game to play. So that, that was an interesting part of that story. I always like to tell it's like, you know, the more you do something, the more your your body actually knows what they're doing. So as long as you can as long as you can take your brain, uh, get yourself out of the way, you let your body do your thing. Uh, and then obviously the, the like 25 yarder, 30 yarder to send us uh, to win the game. You know, everything's history after that. So 
Yeah, that was a 17-yarder. Went That's center. They got to add a couple yards on there. It's like catching a fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I caught the ball. I still yeah. remember that. Caught that in the south end zone. Oh, yeah. That's why we were saying that. Yeah. I yeah. wish you would have uh, held on to that sucker. I would have I paid you for it or something. But Yeah. I'm going to get on the – I'm going to get on the Virginia Tech staff a little bit now because, come on, man, you got to give these guys the game-winning balls. I gave the ball back. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that's a college thing. It's funny because we would we'd always joke about it. Like, we would come out of there, and they would take our socks and our wristbands, obviously our jerseys and our pants and stuff, like our girdles. And we are like, what do y'all – what do you do with these socks? Because we don't re-wear them, like, the next game. They're, they're brand new for each game. It's like, so I don't know if they donate them or if like, I know they do those auctions, but I'm pretty sure they're not auctioning off old sweaty armbands and, and socks and jock straps. I mean, maybe they got like a, like a black market thing going, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, that is strange actually, man. Yeah. So well, they might've, they might've donated it to Goodwill or something, which would be, that would be ideal. But yeah, game balls. I mean, game winner, game balls. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, those got to get back to you. Yeah, that could be sitting in my in my office somewhere now. Well, if you know Carter Worley, I got one of his game balls. Okay. You kept that one? <laughs> it's kind of a shitty transition, I guess, but speaking of taking things, you still keep up with Dorenzo Hudson at all or no? <laughs> no, not quite. No. What happened there? Like, Because I just remember we're about to play in the Sugar Bowl, and all of a sudden it's Cody Janelle will not be playing in the Sugar Bowl, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, man. Um, no, I never had any. I never had any beef or anything with Lorenzo. Um, even after everything happened, I was like, "Look, we both kind of got caught up in a shitty situation." Um, and I, you know, I was telling you guys before we started, like, feel like I never really got to tell my side of the story. Um, you know, it was one of those things that happened super quick. Uh, you know, talked to the coaches as soon as I could, and coming out of it, you know, even after I got out of out of the jail part, um, they were like, just don't say anything. And I was like, well, I, you know, I feel like I should say something, you know, and they're like, it's best if you just don't say anything, which I can see where they're coming from. You know, it, 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 it was probably right, especially as hearings and stuff are going on. But even after the fact, you know, I felt like there was this cloud over my head, um, which was deserved. I mean, I was, you know, I put myself in that situation um, so I, I don't pass blame to anybody, but I do feel like I could have, I could have at least kind of verbalized what happened in my role in it. Um, but you know, when it, it, what it boils down to is I'll give you kind of the shorter version of the story. Um, you know, we were, we were training, getting ready to go to the bowl game. And I had some friends in town that had stayed for college. I think everybody else was like going home for Christmas break and stuff like that. Um, and you know, there's, it's, you hear it time and time again, you are who you hang out with. You know, I'd surrounded myself with some guys that, that weren't necessarily on the same trajectory that I was. Um, and these are life lessons that you learn by doing life, you know, by making mistakes and people can tell you a hundred times, but until you experience it, you're not really going to know, um, you know, the impacts of it. But, you know, these guys called me up because they knew I was one of the only ones in town. They had some items um, stolen from them. I'll kind of leave that open to what you want it to be um, stolen out of their house. And they knew who had taken it. 
and they knew where they lived and they needed backup to get there or to go get it back. Um, so, you know, me being, I guess I was, I was freaking 19 years old at the time. Um, no, well, somewhere between 19 and 20, but I was 19 or 20 at the time, you know, stupid, full of piss and vinegar. And I was like, yeah, man, I got your back, you know, just doing what probably any brother or friend would, would do for somebody else if they asked you to, to back them up. And, um, you know, we got there, one of the guys had a, a fake gun on him, um, cause he thought he was, you know, big and bad and it ended up being Dorenzo Hudson's house. So, you know, it kind of, kind of got a little hazy from there. Um, I actually never went in the house, which is why I got off easier than the rest of them. Um, I just kind of stood, stood watch at the door while they kind of went in and confronted the guys and, and looked around and we ended up leaving. I went home, um, you know, about two hours later, not, not even probably, I got a call, um, from, one of the guy's phones and it was a police officer on the other side. And they said, you need to get back here right now. And I was like, I'm at home, man. What are you talking about? And short side of the story is they, the guys that they confronted went back to their house, started beating them in the street and somebody saw it and called the cops. So when they got there, they told them the full story, um, you know, brought my name into it cause they had seen my face and just by association, you know, you, you get pulled into something like that and it can literally happen like something stupid, like on a, you know, on a dime and, and something that'll change your life around. It definitely has. That's why I don't, I don't mind talking about it now. You know, it's, it's taught me multiple life lessons since that point. It's made my life harder since then, you know, hard, it was harder to try and get into the league. It was hard to try and get a job, to be honest with you. Um, you know, that shit was on Google, still on Google. If you pull my name up, but, it was a certain point where I got that I said, I'm not going to let this affect the future trajectory of my life. Like I, I know who I am. I know what I want to be. I know I want to be successful. I want to be a good role model for my kids and everybody around me and in my community. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bootstrap it and basically say, you know, fuck you to all the people that are trying to hold me to what that standard was 10 years ago. Um, so that's, what's kind of brought me here. You know, that's honestly probably one of the first times on either a podcast or like television or, or whatever it was like reporter wise that I've been able to really tell the full kind of, um, uh, backstory of what happened. So, man, I saw the picture and I can tell you right now, it was the dude with the headband on that rolled on you. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what it was. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, messing, I'm messing with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're talking about wild stuff, we got to get into it. The Cody Jernell tattoo girl. Oh, man. <laughs> how, <laughs> how did this happen? Oh, man. So it's funny because I forget about that shit. And someone brings it up like every three or four years. And it just brings back this flood of uh, just craziness. I mean, it, it kind of like it kind of puts a pin in, in what my college experience was. So, um, the only thing I really know to tell you, man, is that there was a girl named song me cash, or at least that's what her like Instagram, (laughs) that's what her Instagram handle was. At least I, I had never met the girl. She, she was like a, I don't know what you want to call it. Like a, 
special teams groupie. Like it was really kind of strange. She would only talk to the <laughs> kick, only talk to the kickers and like the the long snappers and shit. So she had a thing for AJ, right? Yeah. So I, I fault AJ for this. I'm not fault him, but I, I fault him for it. Um, because she was pursuing him at the time, and she was like, "Tell I, I guess he was, you know." talking back to her on Twitter and like, we all knew who she was just because, you know, we talked and we were like, who is this? Like we never even seen her. I guess AJ might've seen her at the, at the game, uh, a couple games before, but she told AJ, she was about to do this with his name and his number. And he was like, no, he was like, I, I really would rather you didn't, but I think Cody would like that. And, uh, no. <laughs> God, man, he threw, he threw my name on her, uh, on her muffin top pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, uh, you know, we come to, we go to practice the next day and I, I didn't know it at the time, but we get to practice and, and they were all just like cracking up and, you know, the whole, the whole locker room at this point was kind of like, what, what? So I get in and they show me the picture and she had posted it on her Twitter and uh and tag me and you guys know i probably don't keep up with my twitter like i should um mm. that's why it took me so long to get on here because uh you know months went by before i got back on that thing but yeah she had the picture of it it was like right there on her uh on her love handle and it had cody Jernell like in signature format with the number 89 on it so song me if you're out there we need to see a new pick I want to. I want to know if that thing got got covered up or if she still got it. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Nah, if you're still out there, meet us in Blacksburg. Cody's gonna sign it, and you can tattoo his real signature. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Hey, I'm I'm for it now, man. I don't know you if my probably got replaced by Joey Sly. If we're being honest, you're probably right. I mean, he's out there hitting hitting kicks in the NFL now, so I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, dude, it's funny. So somebody has it on Facebook and like, I guess it pops up in their, in their memories every couple of years. So it'll just be like a random day during the year. And I'll, don't forget uh, this day, five years ago, you know, somebody will, somebody will share it. So it's always a, a good walk down memory lane. And I get to show it to my now um, girlfriend, soon to be fiance. And uh, she gets, you know, she doesn't have as many laughs about it as we do, but she just shakes her head. Man, that girl's that, actually not on Twitter no more. She's not. No. That was one of the first, like, real, like, viral moments in Hokie social media. You're probably right. Because that was early. Yeah, I mean, that was, like, Twitter had just come out. That was – I tell people that now. It's, like, Instagram happened while I was in college. Facebook happened right before we got to college. Twitter happened when we were in college. So, you know, social media was just, like, this thing everybody was playing with um and yeah you're probably right because that thing that thing spread like wildfire i had people like family friends like stopping me on the street like who is this girl that has her name tattooed on you and i'm like man aj <laughs> damn it Oof. i hope aj still buys you beers over that uh he does we got to find a girl to get an aj hughes tattoo now that's what we need you're right we got to return the favor <laughs> get back with her and Get the other side done. Ooh, I'll pay for it. If we can find her, I'll pay for her to get an AJ right. Hughes tattoo. You might be a listener, man. You guys got plenty. Nah, if she listens to this, bro, I'm going to lose my mind. 
Yeah. You don't even want to, you don't even understand like what I would do to, to make something legitimately occur. That's yeah. uh, cause that's I like get, an ideal moment for you guys. That shit goes viral. You, you just got another, like another hundred thousand subs. Yeah, we're doing it. This is on. Challenge is on now. Find this woman. No I turn back. This shit. I I track down Darren Evans. Don't think I can't track down Tattoo Girl. Yeah, I, I can see Darren being a tough one to track down. Before we get into the super positive stuff, you did all this shit. Frank was like, "I got this badass kicker running around Blacksburg." But he's a hell of a player. What did what finally? I mean, you didn't get kicked off the team for the Dorenzo stuff. So, like, what was it that finally? Right. I've never heard what what finally. Like, I remember you got dismissed, but I don't remember why. Yeah. So, um, I tell people that a lot. Like, I I could just be, you know, I could go and say, you know, I did this one bad thing, and um, you know, I I got in trouble and. And I came back and now I'm the successful person and, uh, or, you know, at least I'm, I'm having success in life. Um, but that's really not how it happened. Right. So I was in a dark place, uh, especially after all that happened, you know, it kind of, kind of really, uh, hurt my ego as, as well as like just the, the tarnish part of my name. Um, you know, you go out and that's how people recognized you at that point. Um, it, it starts to, it starts to really kind of mess with your head. Like, am I that person? You know, is that, is that who I am? Like, I, I can't seem to, can't seem to get things right other than on the football field. Um, which is like, you know, I know I'm not the only person that's, that's gone through that. Um, but it was, it was a like thing after thing. So again, I touched on, you know, I was kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd outside of football. You know, I was getting my football duties done. I was semi getting my studies done um, just enough to, you know, get by in class and stuff like that. But it was really outside of that. Like I was, I fell into that trap, like, you know, let's go out and party three or four days a week. Um, you know, let's go to the frat house. Let's hang out with these chicks. Um, you know, it was just, it might not catch up with you for like a couple years, even some people it'll catch up with you right up, right off the bat. Um, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it'll take two years, sometimes it'll take three years, sometimes it won't hit you till later on down your life. Right. So it could be 10, 15 years from now, something really bad happened, but I continued to make decisions that weren't, um, weren't pushing me forward towards the goals that I actually had in my head. And for some reason, either I didn't, the right person didn't sit me down and, you know, shake me and say, this is what you need to do. Um, or I just was too stubborn and too stupid to listen at the time. So to answer your question, kind of in a roundabout way, um, you know, I was continuing to party. I wasn't getting in like trouble with the law or anything, but what really broke the camel's back was I failed a drug test for smoking weed. Um, and that was just kind of like the last strike, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the biggest deal in the world, but it was like a culmination of things, you know? Um, so I remember coach Beamer sitting me down after that. And he said, he, he looked me in the eyes and he said, son, you're going to be very successful in life if you can get your shit together. And 
that stuck with me to this day. You know, he never, he never really like kicked me while I was down. You know, it was one of those kind of, uh, I'm disappointed in you thing because I see the potential. Um, and he was right. I mean, it did, and it, it took me, if I'm being honest, it took me a couple of years after college, after that happened to even actually start getting my shit together. Um, I, I put a lot of that on the coach that I met outside of college, Coach Cav. Um, he kind of brought me under his wing and, um, you know, really showed me what it was like to train like a professional and not just train like a professional, but live your life like a professional. Um, I got my body right, got my health right, you know, stopped drinking so much, um, stopped smoking, wasn't hanging out with people that weren't in the same kind of, you know, mindset that I was and, and moving towards the same goals. And it really, you know, changed, changed things up for me. Um, I got to, you know, I got a couple of tryouts with some teams. I moved to Germany for a couple of years, played for, played for the GFL, which is a German football league. Um, got to tour around Europe quite a bit while I was over there. So, you know, things started to look up and it was really that, that kind of turning point um, after college, after I'd, you know, been to the, to the bottom after being at the top and uh, just, you know, slowly have been kind of crawling my way out of that. But, you know, some life happens for a reason, you know, maybe I wasn't meant to be at the next level playing football. Maybe it was, it was a different path and all those life lessons are, are pushing me to what I'm supposed to be doing now, you know? It's kind of ironic. Smoke led to getting you off the team and smoke and meat led to a career. What got you into barbecue? Yeah, man. So again, I mean, and that is a wild statement. <laughs> this needs, should be a t-shirt. <laughs> so, hey, you can sell them at the restaurant. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of a, I don't know if you label it that way, but I'm kind of like an opportunistic guy. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, really like to silo myself into well I'm a realtor or I'm you know I'm a I'm a cook or I'm a barbecue guy but if an opportunity presents itself and I think it's it's something worth pursuing um you know I'll I'll at least give it some thought give it some time see what happens so I had got my real estate license back in 2017 um started to sell and this little you know this little restaurant that in Giles County um I saw it for sale by owner sign in the window and if you're a realtor you know you kind of know that's like blood in the water. Um, somebody trying to sell something themselves, you want to be the guy that gets in there, gets it done for them, and you get paid on it. Um, so I went in, you know, I knew these people because we had a laundromat growing up down the street. And I used to ride my bike up there. And like it was a Korean restaurant, but they sold like the best Philly cheesesteaks for some reason. Um, so I'd get a Philly cheesesteak and ride back down. So I went in, you know, I was talking. And a couple of years later, before I'd even got my license, my friend's dad and I, um just talked about how how well a barbecue restaurant would do in Giles um and it was just one of those things like yeah man this would this would do great this is how we would do it blah 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 it kind of fell off and I knew as soon as I walked into that place and she told me you know the price what came with it how they were willing to structure the deal like a light bulb went off and I was like damn I gotta call Chad so I called him immediately afterwards and he was like man if you can get it set up on the business side he said I'll quit my job right now and we'll do this thing full time. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how it started. Um, just so happened that we started it three months before COVID hit. So that was a swift kick in the pants. But uh, again, you know, things happen that you don't expect and you got to learn how to deal with it um, or you get left behind. So. 
And did that lead to the food truck as well? Yeah. So the food truck was kind of a, uh, you know, it's a subset of the restaurant. It, it just, it just kind of was like a natural progression. I would say, um, we actually had a competition. I think it was led by like go Virginia or one of those initiatives in Virginia that like pushes entrepreneurs out, um, tries to find them funding and like seed money and things along those lines. So there was, there were two categories. It was almost like shark tank for Giles County. If you want to think of it that way. Um, we went through a course and like had all these trainings and, and met with, you know, local professionals and stuff like that. But there were two categories. One was existing business and one was new business. And we were still in the new business category because we'd only been open for a year and our pitch was a food truck. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was centered around how this is going to affect local community. And, um, you know, we can take it to the farmer's market and we can do this and we can do that. And we had to put together a pitch what we'd use the money for, what the ROI was, how fast we would get the money back, um, and then what our future growth plans were for the restaurant and the food truck business. So we ended up winning that. We won like 15 grand. Uh, we put that towards buying a new truck. So then we, you know, we had the restaurant and the truck. Our, our truck is kind of like our, like our mobile billboard um, where the, the restaurant's like the headquarters and the truck goes out and like advertises for us in, in other communities. Uh, to spread the word and and people love it so we've stayed booked up with that thing well it looks like it's really worked out for you man so or oddly enough i guess i went to bards yeah distilleries jason and opening um i was some friends in blacksburg we went out to the radford area we went to uh river river company is that what it's called place is amazing and my buddy, uh, he owned a cleaning company at the time called Coach Clean in Blacksburg. And he was like, we're going to this distillery, uh, grand opening. And we pulled up and your company's food truck was there. And it had, I love pig butts and I cannot lie. On, <laughs> on, I'll never forget. It. I took a picture. I probably still have it. If you I go deep in my camera roll. Huh? Side of it. Yeah, that was definitely like a play on, you know, we want people to have like an Instagram moment with the truck, um, so that was you know, a marketing, a marketing push and it's worked out. People remember it. Well, the barbecue was amazing. I'll vouch. And I'm big oh, yeah. boy. So I know I didn't get this beautiful night eating barbecue. Hell yeah. No, I mean, we've, it's crazy. We've got people that drive over like the community around barbecue is like this underground, like, like cult following, um, People drive from like six hours away just to eat there and and leave us like a review on their website. It's been it's been pretty amazing. Um, and it, the word spread, man. We're looking at a potential second location coming up in the next maybe like three to four months. Um, and then we're also in in talks with another uh, another location potentially like beginning of twenty twenty four. So you know we're looking to looking to spread this through the New River Valley kind of give mission barbecue a run for their money all right let's get the scoop let's get the exclusive we got any any areas we're looking at well let's say one uh one supports hokey football pretty heavy so all I can, right can't give you many details on that um at the time we're still in talks like like lease structure and and they've got some timeline and uh other like tenant constraints that they want me to keep by but 
yeah, we're, we're seriously considering one at Blacksburg and we're actually, um, we're actually looking at a place. We've got a letter of intent for a building in Pulaski, um, but that one's gotten, it's been delayed quite a bit. So, you know, at this point, we don't know which one's really going to come first. We've got both our options open for them, but uh, you know, that, that starts like a pretty good triangle in the New River Valley between Pulaski, Blacksburg and Giles. Uh, we can really make a dent, you know? Hell yeah. I feel like, you know, there could be a potential strong partnership between the Tales from the Terror Dome and the Bluegrass Barbecue guys. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I, love it. I love it. We've uh, we've thrown around some ideas of, like, sponsoring the special teams, like, you know, with this, uh, this new NIL stuff, you know, being able to find some synergy there between the, the specialists and – and you know a, a former specialist in barbecue restaurants so you know I, I love the podcast i've listened to you, you guys uh quite a bit since we talked and i want to say that you probably got one of the hypest uh intros in the podcast game especially you know when it comes to virginia tech sports so give you props for that yeah dan's been told that a few times we uh just recorded recently somebody from the wrestling team will yeah. announce that later but uh yeah people love it man no, it's good stuff, man. You guys are doing well. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And it seems like real estate is going well as well for you. Yeah, that was kind of my uh, real estate's like my passion. Um, uh, well, I'd say business is my passion, but real estate's really like where I felt like I found my groove. Um, my parents always had you know rental properties growing up. My dad was a contractor. He actually did some work for like coaches while I was growing up and at the CRC and stuff like that. So I was always, my mom's an accountant. So they kind of teamed up well on the, the rental side of things, but I was always in and out. Um, you know, I was his slave driver or free labor for uh, however long it was. And then, you know, mom was on the business side of things. So I kind of got both ends of the spectrum there. Um, and then I was a marketing and finance major at tech. So I just like took a sales job when I left school and hated it and then went into the training stuff. But when I came back and got my license, I was like, I want to be a full-time real estate investor. That's, that's kind of what my ideal job was. But, you know, again, being naive and just jumping into it, I was like, I don't know enough about anything uh, to really invest much and also don't have any money. So how the hell am I going <laughs> to learn and make money? And that was to get my real estate license. So, you know, kind of came into it at a good time, 2017. 2018 and then 2019 the the market really started to pick up so i positioned myself well um it also led me to you know gave me the the freedom and the capital to pursue some of these other endeavors but that's kind of my bread and butter is the uh you know the real estate side of things now we have a, a brokerage here in blacksburg me and a couple partners uh just started up the our property management division um here in blacksburg we're up to like 30 units now uh we started eight months ago so we're trying to grow that so we're gonna i'm surrounding myself with with like-minded entrepreneurs and it's it's working out i wish i, I would have known you um early what early summer 2021 i had been uh negotiating with mountain lake okay about uh getting into management up there but um unfortunately the offer was way lower than 
what I'm worth and the whole stipulation with the situation and how the pay was set up just yeah. didn't work for me. So I didn't take it. But I was looking in Blacksburg and I couldn't find shit that wasn't like student housing only or hadn't been built yet or right. But I was I was I was looking, man, but I couldn't couldn't find anything. It's tough out here, man, for rentals. Trust me. We get calls every day and people are like, Do you have anything for next year? I'm like, I <laughs> I can't tell you that at this point. But um, you know, again, they just built all that multifamily, like high density uh multifamily student housing, and it really hasn't seemed yet to make a difference in the rental market here. Like people still can't find enough real estate to live in. And I don't know if it's because they haven't opened the doors on all most of them yet or what the deal is. But I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff I I can't talk about publicly that I know is happening as well. And it's just like, man, there's a lot of units coming to town. Um, I really hope they got a plan for the rest of the infrastructure as far as roads and buildings and, you know, all that stuff goes. I'm sure Blacksburg's on their stuff, but. Some of the roads are starting to get pretty, pretty congested. Yeah, and you can't put enough roundabouts in to fix everything. Yeah, no shit. I, I live out um, Price's Fork, like behind the old elementary school um, near Moon Hollow Brewing. And they're building, States and Homes is building 400 units on one side of Price's Fork. And Eagle is building another like 300 units on the other side. And they put this like little tiny roundabout in between both of them. And it's a one, it's a one lane road both ways. And it's like, you add 700 units and put a roundabout in, what is that going to look like at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning? I got yeah, it. That's a nightmare. It doesn't make any sense. No, none at all. Speaking of town, have you got back to any tech football games? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's a little harder with kids now and kind of got to pick and choose what days uh, either what games I either take them to or go to myself. Because um, I leave Amber at home and she's going to take so much with the kids herself. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I try and hit the big ones. First game is always, you know, something I get to. The UVA game is always something I get to, whether it's at home or away. Um, and then I'll pick like some big games here and there or I got friends coming in town, you know, we'll set something up, but yeah, man, like I said, I bleed maroon and orange. I don't think it's going anywhere. How's the staff been, the new staff, have they reached out to you? Yeah, they've, uh, they've done well. So I will, you know, people knock on Fuente a lot. I will say one thing that he did well was um, he started more on the alumni football alumni relations side of things um, started a group. They actually hired a staff member, Sam, um, who was kind of heading that. And she kept track of the former players. You know, if they, people were coming in town, they felt like they wanted to get tickets. We'd have events, we'd have zoom sessions with the coaches. Um, you know, they'd have, they'd have certain things where you could, you know, certain games where they had tickets allocated and you could bring the kids and the family, they give you facility tours and, you know, just, just things that, that get the alumni involved past just the guys that are in the NFL, you know, cause yeah, that's, that's one part of recruiting is the, you know, letting the kids that are getting recruited, see the NFL guys and, um, you know, show them what they can aspire to be. But there's a lot of guys that didn't make it to the NFL that are still doing really big things, um, you know, that, that are, can really make an impact in the program as well. So 
that was one thing that Fuente did that I was like, you know, good for him. Um, it started pushing it in the right direction. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been refreshing from that standpoint. It's not quite there yet. It's not, you know, it's not what it needs to be, but it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's a good step to take. Yeah. Where are your favorite places to eat in Blacksburg? Ooh, in Blacksburg. I'd or say Christiansburg, it's all the same. I mean, yeah, Lefties is definitely up there. Um, okay. That chorizo biscuits and gravy is crazy. Oh, shit, I've never had that. Oh, we got to put you on to some game here, man. Have you ever had the, the spicy uh, pimento burger? No, but I'm about to. That's a must-have. It's on, like, sourdough Ooh. bread. Super I'm not fresh. a pimento guy very often, so I don't mm. – Yeah. I'm not, I feel like I'm that not, would fuck me up. I'm not big on it, like, plain. Like, like we're just using pimento as a dip. But on that burger, yeah, it's spot on. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny with Blacksburg like that. And I hear people complain about it a lot. Like, there's nowhere – I mean, you got the farmhouse. Um, you know, it's obviously on, in the top ranges. But there's not a lot of places, like, in town – to to go sit down that's not also like a like a bar like a college bar you know um yeah that is a true statement right there yeah so i think there's an opportunity there um not saying i'm gonna jump on it immediately we've got some other endeavors that we've got to you know focus on you know greens the sushi place i'm not i don't eat sushi a lot but when i do that's the spot um so yeah i mean i think those are probably my main two but I could I could see a place doing well. They tried to do it with the Hokie or the Club Corp place. I don't know if you guys have been up to that or not. It's in the uh, it's in the President Suite in the in the stadium. No, and, I yeah, have friends. I have some friends that eat there every Friday though. Yeah, yeah, so, friend Drew and Mary. Yeah, they've got they've got really good food there. They tried to do um, kind of what I'm talking about. You know, a bar and nice restaurant, kind of away from students. Um, membership style so it wasn't just like you know whoever shows up can come um but it's it's slightly inconvenient you know you gotta gotta park in one of the parking lots get up into the stadium um so but i've enjoyed it up there too they've got really good food so what is on cody jernell's playlist when you got the ox cord hmm it's a good question depends on what i'm doing so a lot of times Spotify is, uh, is when I'm at the gym. Um, so if I'm at the gym, I do a lot of playlists. So I'm looking at, you know, uh, let me just pull it up. Yeah, this might break, make or break you. I listen to a lot of like 90s rap. So okay, I'm, I'm big, or I guess 90s, 2000s, but I'm, I'm big on like, you know, Biggie, Nas, um you know that that era of guys the, the new stuff like occasionally i can i can get past it um or I, I can find some stuff that i that i get down with i do listen to future and like you know those dudes but the i mean some of the new rap is just like what what have we got ourselves into you know um it's just not the same thing but yeah i mean if i'm looking at classic that's just what i listen to throughout the day um, if I'm in the gym, you know, we're, we're look, pulling up a playlist. Like there's a rap caviar, um, 
playlist called Locked In. Uh, there's another one called Drill Work, which is interesting. It's like, I don't know if you ever heard of Skepta. I was ever listening. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of like that, like like UK, um, like style rap music, which is kind of hype. Uh, so good gym music. But I mean, I listen to a lot of country too, man. So it's really, it's really across the board. Like if I'm, you know, in a deer stand or I'm on the way or back from a hunt or fishing or something like that, you know, we throw a playlist on some, uh, some stuff like that. And then, I mean, I've, I'm a jazz vibes guy too. So you gotta, I, I play my music with my mood. Um, you know, if I'm trying to mellow out something like that, uh, if I'm trying to get in the gym, it's something hype. And then obviously my country roots coming out. Future is my Lord and savior. So <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad I hit that one on the head then. Yes, sir. Yeah. Poppy Chulo is my skeptic song. That's like my go-to. Nice. I don't get into that British grime drill shit. I don't like it. It's interesting, man. Yeah, it's a good switch up. Like Drake was trying to make that a thing with some people, and I was like, yo, leave these dudes in England, bro. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. But let them do their own thing. Yeah, the only British rapper I love is 21 Savage. That's I didn't even know he was British, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, he got detained for something and they ended up he was born there, but then he moved to Atlanta when he was real young, like real, real young. So it's kind of a joke when the U.S. played England in the World Cup. It was like battle for 21 Savage. Oh, yeah. No, man, I've appreciated you being on, Cody. Everyone, if you're in town, you see Cody Jarnell. We do a thing on Tales from the Terror Dome. Hokey legends don't buy their own drinks or food around us. Y'all know what to do. Make like sure you that. check his restaurants out. And if you got real estate needs, hit our guy up, man. Yeah, I got you. Anything, you know, from single family homes to investment properties and commercial, we can make it happen. Ladies and gentlemen, this was all ACC, former Virginia Tech kicker, Cody Jarnell.